0: most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menunos. Your life improvement series starts now. Today's Heal Squad All-Stars episode centers around deep human experiences of love, loss, vulnerability, and the healing power of ritual with two remarkable individuals, Sean Korn and Diane Gray. So Sean is a renowned yoga teacher and author, and Diane is a conversation facilitator and advocate for open discussions around death and dying. She helped me so much around the time my mom was passing and afterwards. So Heal Squad, Prepare to be moved, inspired, and uplifted as we embark on this profound exploration of life, death, love, and the healing power of ritual. Get your notebooks out and get ready to heal, my friends.
1: There will be moments that you will look back in, in regardless of the end result, and I pray the end result is just positive on every level for your family. But regardless, this will bring you so close. Yeah. It's so vulnerable. And just say all the things. Say all the things. Um, That was something. I remember one time when my father was, um, he was really sick at this point. And we're in in bed together with my mom watching TV, you know, and I'm laying between them. I
0: do that too. Yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) And my father says to my mother, Alice, get out of the room. I want to talk to my daughter. And this may be three months before he died. And, you know, my mother kind of looks at my dad, you know. And there's something exchanged between them. And he just, she just nodded her head, turned off the TV and left. And he pulls me onto his body and he was so frail at that time. And I remember with my head on his chest, I could hear his heartbeat. And I'm thinking, are there a thousand beats left? You know, are there 10 beats left? One beat left? And my father, he puts his arms around me and he says, my baby, my baby. He starts to tell me how much he loves me. And how amazing I am and how proud he is of me. And in a split second, as he's saying the words, I thought, oh, my God, my father is saying goodbye.
0: Yeah.
1: And I thought, I can't. I'm not ready for this. This is not happening. And I dissociate. I just get out of my body. Yeah. I hear maybe four words of that whole conversation. And every once in a while, I'd say to myself, Sean, get in your body. Don't miss this moment. This is too important. And it's important to him. Here are the things. And... um. When it was uh, over, like, maybe I got 10% of what he said. But I, uh, he says, now get out of the room and go get me a Coke. (sighs) And uh, at that point, I would have given my father anything, you know, it was, it was over. And uh, so I didn't, I yelled down to my mother to get him the Coke. And I go into my room um, and just shut down. And no, I don't cry. I just shut down and fall asleep. And Maybe a week later, I'm in bed with my mom and dad watching TV, and my father says, Alice, get out of the room. I want to talk to my daughter. So my mother looks at my dad, you know, (laughs) looks at me, shrugs, she leaves the room, and my father starts telling me how much he loves me and how great I am. And I'm thinking, what the fuck? We did this already. Yeah. Like, no. And I kept saying, like, no he he needs to say the things and and you know get back in your body and maybe this time I heard thirty percent. well, to make a long story short, my father did this nine times before he died, nine times, but by the ninth time, I heard every word we planned out the music that he wanted for his funeral, the things that he needed me to say to the different people in the room um he wanted the songs uh um. Highway to Hell, and (laughs) Uh, uh, my father was very funny and very dark that way. And But 100% of that conversation, like I heard, and I cried, and he cried, and we we thanked each other and forgave each other, all the the stuff. And I remember walking out of the room, he said, now go get me a Coke. And I went down and I said to my mother, if my father says goodbye to me one more time, I'm going to kill him. (laughs) And it wasn't until after my father died that I realized what he had done that the experience of death and dying was really so overwhelming to my psyche that I was just really in denial. And it was like, I knew what the end result was for all of us, but there was something about my nervous system that wasn't allowing me to accept and embrace and do the things. But my, by my father getting me to talk about it and normalizing it again and again and again. He prepared you. Yes. It let me express discharge the energy and cry. And by crying and being that little girl in that moment and letting him be the daddy, letting him be like, you know what? You're going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. It's all cool. We're all good. Thank you. I love you. By doing that, let me discharge the energy enough to be present. And that was the greatest gift my father ever gave me. Because when he did pass, my nervous system was prepared and it would not have been had he not let me communicate my emotions and my vulnerability. I don't know if he did that on purpose. My fault, you know, I really don't, but he did it. Yeah. And that was very liberating. So for anyone who's listening to this, who's going through this, the extraordinary, even if it's in the right order of things, it's a lot, your heart will break and it will heal. And what I know in my soul and in my body, when I walk the world, I'm my father's DNA.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I feel him in my walk. In my laugh, in the way in which I experience the world, or certain things that I appreciate now, because I know my father would have loved it, mm-hmm. and because he's in my body, I'm like, "All right, Dad, I'm going to do this one for you. I'm going to go watch this movie or experience this particular sunset because I know how much he'd ex- enjoy experiencing it, and he can through, through you. Mine. Yeah, that's so, so cool. Yeah, I wish you and your family the best. Thank you. Oh boy. Yeah, sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? Don't be because yeah. I'm not the only one going through it. Bonus Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts, with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. No, you know there are so many people suffering, but it's it is interesting how they prepare us. Because my mom's doing the same thing Mm -hmm. and I know it. And only through EMDR was I able, because I'm really good at disassociating and disconnecting too, because I don't want to feel pain. Hello. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nobody wants to feel pain. Um, And I really related to that discussion in the book. Um, And so after a session with EMDR, my mom literally had the talk with me. Like, mm-hmm. right after it was as if she knew, and I was sitting there, and she was like when when I go, I want you to keep smiling. I want you to keep dancing and blah, 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 and all this stuff, And I'm losing it." Yeah. And I'm just sitting there like stiff, like next to her on the couch, like trying not to feel because I don't want to feel. And then I was like, you have to let go. You have to let go. This is your moment. Say everything you want to say that you haven't been saying. And I was like, blurted. I'm like, I just want you to know I did everything I could and I love you so much and blah, blah, blah. And like, I just Mm -hmm. like it was so scary. Why is it so scary for us to say what we want to say to the people that we love the most? Mm -hmm. Why?
1: It means admitting to ourselves it's there's an end it's the child inside that just doesn't want to believe it like I, that was the greatest gift i gave my dad was dropping to my knees and saying i'm going to miss you so much and just putting my head on his chest and saying i don't want this to happen my who am i without that identity of my yes. mother and father you know and and we're blessed to have those relationships not a lot of people don't have that and what does that loss mean and we're it's not normalized in our society, unfortunately. You go to other cultures, and, and death is a part of life, and it's ritualized, and it's acknowledged, and everything is is done, and it's nurtured, not as an ending, but as a transformation, a celebration. Yeah. Our culture doesn't do that. It's a finality. And we have to find ways to normalize it. What my dad insisted I do, and it was really hard. He said to me before he died, he wanted me to teach a workshop called Yoga for a Broken Heart. And to, and I had to do it within three months after he died. So it was still fresh in my own body. Wow. And so that I was present to my, really my own trauma around death and dying.
0: Well, he knew you were going to have the trauma. So mm-hmm. he wanted you to work on it. Yeah. What a great guy. Yeah.
1: Well, yes. It, yeah. Very much so. And special. Also complex, like all, you know, crazy. And, yeah.
0: But that's like, it's so, so special for him to have been so forward thinking about plotting out your healing.
1: Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm.
0: You know, it's one thing to say how much he loves you and that he's going to miss you and, you know, a few little anecdotes, right? But to then plot out your healing, which is what he did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So cool.
1: He really just felt that death wasn't normalized and we had to communicate it. And by practicing yoga and creating environments where people can literally physically discharge the energy so they can feel, whether it's the loss of an animal or a child going to school, like leaving home, a divorce, any kind of betrayal— Grief runs deep in our bodies, and if we suppress that grief, we we deny, really, our our own vulnerability, our own femininity, our own um, resonance with grace when we do that. But it's because we haven't been taught how to hold both the shadow of life as well as the light as being unified. And until we can get really good at talking about it, it's really hard also to empathize. You know, you're— I always I said to my dad, "Thank God you 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 died first before mom." Like that was a gift to prep me for my mother. Um, Because that, if it was reversed, I don't know if I would have had the capacity. His dying and death has helped my nervous system a little bit more prepare for that that other inevitability. But I hope that when that comes that it's something that I can walk towards with honor and and a sense of the sacred and to be able to be that present as I was able to be towards the end with my dad. But it's it's not something I look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> it's just something I think in our cultures we need to talk about more. Cause so
0: how do we do this?
1: How do we doing what we're doing right now? I have no doubt in my mind that people who are listening to this, there's someone that this this is touching their heart in a really big way. This is what they needed to hear today. Because odds are, someone is walking somebody home. Yeah, and <sighs> and you know, and that's Ram Das. You know, that's s- someone is in it this moment, and someone is shut down, and someone is scared, and someone is doing all the right things, um, and someone is praying that it it the end result is different um, than than it might be. And they need to hear this conversation and that they also need to hear that they will laugh again. They will remember really amazing moments um, that grief comes in these unusual and unexpected waves um, and that the presence of that being lives within them forevermore. And they will feel that and know that in very odd and unexpected moments um and to carry the traditions and the rituals and the joy and the grief of their ancestors and pass those that information on forward to whether to their children or the children in their lives just to keep not necessarily the memory but the resonance of those who walked before alive and well in the future
0: yeah where were you in your kind of evolution when your dad died
1: um it was 9 years ago so I was pretty far along but it doesn't yeah. matter I was when you're in it you're you know I was 8 years old yeah you know, like emotionally but with yeah. pretty good tools I could if I could remember to grab them that's they the were thing there. yeah Oh my god I'm so glad
0: you just said yeah. that because mm-hmm. you know I've been on the journey too and I've been acquiring the tools and sometimes you forget to grab them yeah and you're like, oh, wait, why did it take me three months to remember something that I, I had right here that I could have used?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I like I like thinking about it like that rather than, you know, kind of beating yourself up. It's like, okay, I had the tool. I just didn't know where I put it. Yeah. <laughs> My yeah. dad forgets to put his tools away all the time. There you go. So, mm-hmm. um I like that a lot, actually. That's helpful.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're in grief and overwhelm, like you're just lucky, like just to brush your teeth in the morning and change your underwear. Like that's a victory. Yeah. Let alone grab emotional psychic tools. But if you have a support system and you have resources for that, use it. Whether it's therapy, um, grief, support counseling, the program, um, just a good friend, but to find ways to talk to others about it because everyone goes through grief and the overwhelm of of caregiving. Um, People will experience that in different ways. And the more it's affirmed that you're not alone, that the mistakes, I put that in quotes, the mistakes you think you're making are are actually really normal. Um, And to continually ask yourself the question as you're going through the process of caregiving, just what would love do? And that will always Ugh. guide you to make the next right best decision including letting them go
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh my what would love do yeah.
1: mm-hmm. and sometimes it means saying goodbye you know and sometimes it means you know making sure that they have the turmeric and they have you know they don't have the sugar yeah and you know put your foot down or giving them the book to read
0: yeah or know? like Taking your foot off the pedal sometimes and, and just loving them. Like, yeah. that was one of the things I was getting so custodial. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. gotta do this, gotta do that. Da, 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 da. And it's like, wait, no, she would probably, and I would probably benefit so much more from just sitting in front of a TV and watching Dancing with the Stars and yes. not ordering her around. Cause I'm like, producer, <laughs> like, we have to win. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is the battle we need to win. And then, you know, you transition at some point and you're like, wait, it's not about that. Now it's like, we have to think about quality and and time in a different way.
1: Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Wow. Yeah, I'm surprised we got on this conversation. Me too. But it brings my heart. Like I love, I love sharing. You know, a, it's so human. It's so human and it's so vulnerable. And so I didn't expect to like go here. Me morning,
0: neither. I a- go where it feels. Right? And that's that's where you start. It just felt right. Mm-hmm. And and you're right. People are listening and they need it. Yeah. Um. And it is scary. And a lot of us do shut down and we miss those opportunities. Yeah. And maybe some people won't miss those opportunities now to have those talks. And it's funny, a psychic, John Edward, had told me when my mom first got diagnosed, he's like, there are many conversations that need to be had. That you have not had,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I was terrified to have them. And I just started having them in the last few months. and <clears throat> and it changed our whole relationship
2: mm-hmm.
0: and brought us closer together. and um, and so, you know, you're healing, like I'm healing from so many things through this terrible time, you know, because you see, you learn so much through it and there there's reasons why these things happen unfortunately like like you said um and it's funny i texted it to a friend of mine who is in uh, a tough place um i texted him this page called um, it says angels are everywhere sometimes your teachers will be subtle in their offerings sometimes they will break your heart often the lessons will be incomprehensible always they will be potent and necessary for the evolution of your soul and I sent that to him because it really moved me um, because, you know, when we talk about it on the show a lot, we always see problems and we're like, oh, can you believe this? Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait, but if you really look at it, like challenges are opportunities for growth. So why are we looking at things just like we're not conditioned to handle death? Mm-hmm. We're not conditioned to handle problems, and we're always just so shocked when they come up. And it's like, wait, guys, we got a long life of problems ahead of us. No one's got easy street ever, Mm -hmm. ever. Um, And so I sent that to him, and he was like, "Oh, thank you so much. I really needed this today."
1: Well, you know that I remember in that same conversation I had where my father said, "You know, we're having two different experiences of my cancer, um, and your my experience is none of your business." My father also said this to me, and this is in relationship to that. He said uh, he did not believe that his body manifested uh, cancer because of unresolved anger. He just didn't believe it. He didn't feel it. But what he did believe was that cancer was an answer to his prayer. And I asked him, of course, to elaborate on that. And he said that he felt that when we were growing up, that he wasn't as present as a father that he would have liked to have been. My, father, my parents were really young and, you know, he always had this vision of the kind of father he would like to be. And he said, he, as he got older, he would pray that before he died, that he had the opportunity to show up uh, for his children in that capacity. And he said, it took cancer for me to become that dad. And so he really felt that he prayed for clarity, he prayed for transformation, he prayed for growth, he prayed to be that dad and try cancer. Could have been any wow. number of things, of course. It doesn't mean the end result is like, okay, you know, cancer. It's not like he made cancer happen. Yeah. That's just life, life just is. It's just what you do with that. Yeah. It was like, okay, here's this thing. And this thing made him more vulnerable, more honest, more present to, to his children, to me yeah. uh, especially. And so there was a gift, even though it took him away from us, it also in so many ways brought him closer um, in a way that couldn't have happened had cancer not happened the way that it did at that time.
0: I love how Sean reveals the beauty of embracing life's transitions and finding solace in rituals that honor both the joyous and the sorrowful moments. Hope you can find your own rituals that will bring you comfort. Up next is Diane, and her story shows us the significance of saying the words that matter most and embracing the sacred aspects of our existence and finding the strength that arises from open conversations.
2: You thought about it as though it was real. But, Maria, it is real because you're feeling it. You see what I mean? We have to. That's our (laughs) friend. It is real because you're feeling it. Yeah. So how do we access it? It's doing exactly what you just said. So first of all, a lot of people ask me that, why am I not getting a sign? I've been asking for (laughs) us. I know, (laughs) we all do that. (laughs) Yeah, myself included. And here's what I came to realize. Unfortunately, signs and connection from the palpable thing sense. Sometimes I've seen this hundreds of times where the sign comes through the person you're least likely to want to connect with. I don't understand it, but I've heard this from families. It came of all people through my mother-in-law. You know? <laughs> I, I, I think we're meant to be in harmony. We're not meant to be in a state of disharmony in the world mm-hmm. with our loved ones and in a family. I haven't ever said this publicly. I haven't ever shared this in a, in my writing, but I will tell you my son's last Breath and sentence to me was this. We were hearing a Rafi song. You were and hearing what? Rafi. Remember Rafi, the singer? It's a kid singer. Okay. From and anyway, Rafi had this song. All I really need is love in my heart, food in my belly, and love in my family was their last sentence. And my son had been asleep for days, thinking, waiting for him to die because he hadn't eaten for a while. 18 days. This was on day 18. And this song is playing in the background because we used music through the death process, the dying process. And he starts blinking. And I said, honey, honey, what is it? Is that what you want? And we had developed a language. Blink, 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 blink for yes. I said, is that what you want? You want love in your family? Hmm. And he started, started thinking, blinking. blinking and he's blinking. And I said, which is a very important thing for our family because there were some fractures that happened through divorce and all kinds of situations and I said honey I I will do the best I can do is that okay and he blink 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 and I said okay I love you sweetheart and he closed his eyes opened his eyes and I said what is it I said oh you love me blink 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 And you closed his eyes, and that was our last conversation. Love in our family. So to your question, I really believe that the connectors are sometimes the person we least want to connect with, like it or not. The other thing we can do, Maria, is what you did. We can get quiet. A lot of people in their grief phase, they go to, I'm going to have three glasses of wine, and then I'm going to chill out. And then where is the person like, why aren't they connecting with me? I do think there's something to being clear as clear as we can be. Now I'm not saying don't do this, do, do that. I'm just telling people flat out. This is my experience with thousands of grieving people and it helps to be clear, exercise, stay clear, meditate. The more we can be still And to your point, if we want to connect with them, embrace them, think about memories, hold their items close to us, be in nature. Stanford Research, because you're a fellow research person, right? I'm all about the research. Research shows that if we could go 20 to 30 minutes in nature walking, it really elevates our brain space. It changes our brain makeup, right? Mm -hmm. That helps us to connect. I've had some amazing things happen while I am walking in the middle of nature, 20 to 30 minutes, two, three, four times a week. It helps. Does that make sense?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I think um, that's, I think that's why I love nature so much. Mm -hmm. Um, It's such a great way to reset. Um, So you talked about meditation. You've also spoken about um, the lack of breath you tell everyone about that.
2: Remind me um, that a lot of us aren't breathing, oh, right? So true. Thank you. So the gist of it is, in grief and in stress, we forget to breathe. That's simple. Take a breath, especially when we get anger. angry and we get upset about whatever is normal stuff in our day. And when you compound that with grief, we forget to breathe. And when we forget to breathe, it interrupts the blood flow to the brain. It's that simple. So we can't think clearly. We can't emote clearly. Everything comes at us from level one or two dimension. And when we breathe, and I help people breathe in, and this is for grief attacks too. A lot of people have grief attacks. And a grief attack is this. When somebody feels like, I'm going to pass out or I can't function, or I'm wailing, or I'm in the middle of a store and I just saw my favorite person's favorite thing and now I'm sobbing in the middle of Publix or whatever grocery store. Remember to breathe. Step outside, take a breath. If you feel like you might have a grief attack or you're in that phase or stage, carry a little bottle of lavender oil in your purse. And what it does, it acts like a disruptor to the brain that recycle just keeps going and going and going and going. That helps to break that cycle and it helps us to catch our breath and then go about our day. I
0: like that tip. How do you help people get back to work after grief?
2: It's so tough. And that's a great question. Not
0: after grief, after losing a loved one. How do you help someone get
2: back to work after losing a loved one when you're just, when you are that beautiful mess? Right. That is a great question. I'm glad you asked that because that's sort of my new focus of research over the last year. Um, I would say small bites, small bites and be mindful that out there um oftentimes people expect um zebras to be lions and what i mean by that is that you know have you ever seen a zebra with its stripes like they go like this they crisscross that all of a sudden you're seeing all the stripes so you're seeing all the people go back and forth back and forth back and forth right that's people and they didn't lose their loved one this week but you did so you're watching all this movement and chaos and you expect them to. Stop and recognize your grief. And that's just not the case because it's not all about you or me. Mm -hmm. They're doing life too, and they probably have something going on in their lives. I would say understand that small bites and small chunks often help. I would also say when it's nighttime, there's real benefit to disconnecting from tech, disconnecting from noise reconnecting with your loved one, if you want to, in terms of the loved one that died, talk to them, write them letters, remember to breathe, listen, 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 listen for them. And be very mindful that you have a choice in how you live your life going forward. But work is tough. And I would say also to be mindful that nobody knows the right thing to say. They never do, okay, especially at the beginning. This is where grace, I feel like it should be a bumper sticker, you know, both for the person that's grieving. Please show me some grace. I'm not going to be at 100%. I might say the wrong thing. I might drop the coffee. I might have a car accident. By the way, I wrecked my car, okay, twice after the death of my son. Like, I couldn't focus. I hear that all the time. If you're also having a tough time, getting back to work, okay? Be forthright with HR, be open with a colleague. Tell them, I'm struggling. I'm going to get there, but I'm struggling. I hope that helps a little bit. Yeah, I think it does. I just, you know, the other thing
0: that I, I would love to chat about is there's I always feel like people try to compare different griefs, right? It's like, okay, so losing a son is worse. Losing your mom is the worst. Losing your husband is worse. But I don't know. I look at my dad and I feel like he's such a great model for kind of how to be resilient. He's, he's figuring it out. We've definitely patted the walls um, a lot. But how do you advise someone who just lost their life partner? Gosh, it's one of the hardest things. When you spent would... 40 plus years with somebody every single day and now they're gone. I would... This is supposed to be the time of your life you're supposed to enjoy with that more. It's like, okay, now we're retired and we're supposed to enjoy it and then they're gone.
2: Well, first of all, I would say take that like supposed to part. And that is the big red bumper sticker for people to say, enjoy your life now. Mm -hmm. enjoy it now. Don't wait. Don't put it aside. Okay. We're going to open up the fun suitcase when I retire and when we move forward. But to your original question, it's this, give yourself a long runway. It's not a light switch. Your life partner died. And I want to, by the way, I don't mean to minimize length of, of marriage to the fact that some people meet their life partner and that person dies months later, yeah. For some people, they never have a life partner, but they lost a pet, and their pet is their child, right? So, to your point about what's worse is a yeah, death, a child death. I've heard it a million times. There's nothing worse than losing a child. I don't look at it that way. Yes, I my child was my soul of my souls. In many ways, but for many people that don't have children, their pets are their children. They're their family. So define family, right? And that's not my job to do that for someone. But I would say if someone lost a spouse or a partner or someone that they are tied to, give yourself a long runway. Realize that life isn't going to change overnight. Give yourself Years to adapt to whatever your life might become, but also to plan, plant seeds, plant little seeds along the way that might grow. Like, and I I can visualize your dad right now. Hey, I think in June, I'm going to do this with Marie and Kevin. I think in September, maybe we're going to do this with these people. Hey, I think I'm going to replant my garden in this month. I might learn a new skill set, maybe. Maybe I can try this. I think on Sunday, I'm going to lay in bed all day and give myself permission. So a lot of those things, I think, help. Mix it up a little bit, but plan things in the future just to help move the ball forward a little bit Mm -hmm. in terms of hope. I have hope that things are going to get better. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: I think that's kind of what we've done with my dad. We're always trying to keep him busy because he likes work, so we're trying to keep him busy with that. But then he's having his fun. Whether we started doing, you know, bonfires here at the house, or he'll go see his brother. Um, you know, we're trying to have things to, you know, have fun. We play cards at night. I kicked their butts at Uno last night again. so we have those things to look forward to and enjoy
2: and I think too Maria to your point your connection with your dad is important so to those people that have lost their life partner it's important for the family or friends or community to step in and also to honor that person create a legacy project it could be a garden it could be an act. It could be a scholarship. It could be something as simple as baking cookies and bringing them next door every other week. Just whatever legacy looks like, that's the way to rebuild connection and to help that person who has lost their loved one kind of go forward as well. Because then it becomes about the living and the giving, not just the loss, which is back. I like
0: here. that. Yeah. I hear you have a hack for when you need a good cry to release emotions. Is, is that what this crying in the shower
2: stuff is all about? Okay, it's true. So uh, there's a great book out there. It's called Blue Mind. And it's, again, it's a science-based, research-based book. And what it talks about is that being in, on, near, around the water helps us kind of re- reorient or rewire our brain. Well, when I started doing this with grieving people, they would come to me and they would say, it really works? And I said, it really works. And I said, in fact, I can tell you that the vast majority of people I've ever worked with in the grief space, have told me that they cry in the shower and they release. Like, I've cried in the shower. Why didn't anybody tell me that? I'm like, I don't know, but isn't it the truth? Like so many people, I mean, if you want to, If you cry in the shower, I would love to hear about it. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menounos or mariamenounos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you.